Hello friends and what is up? I am Daryl Smart and welcome to Smart Sports Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks and I really do apologize for that, but this week we are back and with a great guest. Today I have Major Series Lacrosse Commissioner Doug Louie on the show. Doug was named Interim Commissioner for the league in 2016 and the next year took the role on full-time. He's done an amazing job trying to grow the league, but this week he had to do the unthinkable and cancel the season, meaning no man cup. Doug, it is great to have you on the podcast and tell your story. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, leading up to Tuesday's decision when Major Series Lacrosse and the Western Lacrosse Association decided to cancel their respective seasons and, uh, and not play for a man cup, this whole thing must have been surreal to you. Well, definitely unprecedented. I've never been through that before. I mean, we get through delayed starts of the season before and adjustments to the schedule, but not uh, nothing to this magnitude. Of course, you know, yeah. none of us have been through a pandemic, so uh, <laughs> exactly. It's it's been an interesting process, and, and you know, I think we learned a lot about ourselves as a league and uh, as individuals, um, and. The new norm is not going to be the old norm. There's, there's no question about that. Absolutely, and you're just talking about some of the teams, and just there's a human aspect to this, and and I don't think people realize that. You know, what I mean, a lot of teams or a lot of leagues or sports are thinking. I know, just some of the major ones are thinking about their season, and there's a bigger thing out here, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I think as it relates to um, to our sport in particular, there's no on-off switch. It's not no. uh, it's not a matter of um, deciding you're going to go back and start playing some games here. Um, you know, if you if it, if it was an on-off switch, it's not a motor. Now we have to rebuild the motor. Yeah, and that's that's going to take some time. Well, exactly. So, uh, just uh, leading up to the decision, first off, what what was just going through your mind? Uh, uh, it it really had to like uh, we talked about how surreal it was, but it, but just the fact that like this is like you said it's unprecedented times. It's just got to be a crazy feeling knowing that you have to cancel a season. Well, I think it's um, it's like a lot of world events. Uh, you know, this thing starts in you know um, in China, and uh, it doesn't seem real. Um, yeah. And as it as it starts to spread. Um, you know, it gets uh, a lot more serious, and then when it gets to uh, over to our own soil, um, so, oh, this is a real problem. Yeah, um, we need to prepare. Uh, not not just the sports community; we have to prepare to protect our families and our friends and our relatives. And uh, the the more severe it got, uh, the greater the, the steps were um, to be taken by. You know, governments and municipalities and uh, individuals, and you know, you know, food food supply became an issue, and exactly. transportation became an issue. Exactly, and, and and again, it's much bigger than just a game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. As much as we love our sport, um, it's it's small potatoes right now when it, when compared to a world pandemic. Well, especially, and that's my reaction to a lot of uh, people thinking uh, just about changing rules and uh, I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about things just like a uh, overage rules stuff like that I, I'm thinking that, that's the last thing we should be thinking about right now 
Yeah, I think um, stay, staying safe and uh, and hoping that you know everyone's doing their social distancing, and we you know we pray every day for a uh, um, uh, like a, a new drug to uh, to get this under control. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a lot of strides have been made, but we're not there yet. Well, exactly. So, what were some of the reactions from the the teams in MSL? Uh, or what were some of the, the thoughts or trepidations of canceling this season f- for yourself and some of the respective teams? And, I, and, and of course, being involved with the, the Six Nations Chiefs, I, I know uh, our arena was an issue the, with Six Nations being locked down. So uh, that was our decision made was pretty easy and clear cut. But what were some of the trepidations or some uh, just some of the thoughts from some of the other teams? Well, I think our, we have a pretty diverse league. We have, you know, our six teams all operate um, a little bit differently. We have some community owned, some privately owned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the very first things that uh, we started to hear was arena availability. Yeah. Um, and as each municipality uh, put their plan in place, uh, more and more of our facilities became unavailable. Um, for the original schedule. Yeah. And w- when we made the adjustments to our 18-game schedule down to the 12-game schedule, um, we did that in a time frame that we thought was possible. Yeah. And as that time frame approached, um, it became less likely that those facilities were going to even be available at, in that time frame. So um, I think um, two municipalities went to... Uh, August 1st or August 2nd opening. Um, And as you know, since then, some have uh, said no, they will, the earliest they would consider is September. Yeah, exactly. Well, with with our sport sharing facilities with with hockey, and and, um, as we know in lacrosse, hockey's king. When (laughs) those municipalities get to fire up their ice making equipment, that's what they're going to do. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and lacrosse gets left out in the lurch, but uh, again, it's not lacrosse season. Yeah, it's not our typical season anyhow. Uh, we even have a, a problem in in some of our facilities uh, hosting the Man Cup uh, without making agreements with uh, municipalities and hockey clubs as it is. Yeah, exactly. So w- were there any uh, reactions from some of the negative reactions from any of the teams in the league? Uh, were they were they really concerned about uh, shutting down the season? I think initially there was a couple of clubs that really wanted to to hang on as long as we possibly could. Yeah. Um, until it got to the point where, um, we, when you find out that you're not going to have any other clubs to compete against, um, your likelihood of having a having a season that is pretty much destroyed. Yeah. Um, so. The ones that held on, obviously, they shared their opinions uh, with each other and, and how long it would go. And then, um, when it became inevitable, uh, we called the vote, and um, our league was um, six nothing in favor of yeah. uh, canceling the season. Uh, what about the Western Lacrosse Association? Uh, what was there? The, the Western Lacrosse Association, Paul Gomani, WLA commissioner, and I have been in constant contact through this. Um, we wanted to be united uh, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. Uh, the Man Cup, although we play for it, the championship doesn't really belong to us. It belongs to the Canadian Lacrosse Association. Yeah. 
um, and it's a word to the senior A winner. Um, and uh, so we wanted to be step in steps um, with each other through the process. Um, even though the, there's more cases in Ontario, um, the severity in uh, British Columbia for the game of lacrosse was worse because yeah. they have two teams on the island um, and uh, they rely on the ferry system to get uh, to the regular season game. So that, yeah. you know, that was going to be very difficult for them. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, I'm not in their board meetings, but I, I think they're, they have seven teams and their vote was six to one yeah. at the time the decision was made. And, and again, made, it almost made sense. So what were discussions like with uh, Mr. Del Monte? Uh, Paul and I got along quite well. Um, both of us were competitors back in the day and uh, we, we, we both kind of fell into the commissioner's job by <laughs> default. So, <laughs> uh, we've, uh, we share the same opinion on what's best for our leagues. Um, and being true partners with them is, is important to both, both of, uh, Paul and myself as well as our leagues. And I think we've made some real good headway, uh, in the last uh, couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. we don't have that old uh, gamemanship mentality. Um, yeah. Most of our decisions are made on what's best for both leagues. And I think that's uh, something I, later we can talk about that. It's just, and it's one of those things where you, you have to tip your hat to yourself and him for really trying to bring the two leagues. It's almost a, a togetherness, like you're saying. You know, still somebody else's quote uh, from a different situation a while ago. We're not enemies, we're adversaries. And uh, I think that um, we have uh, a lot of respect for each league and, yeah. and what they bring to the table. And, uh, you know, our players uh, play our game because they want to be a Man Cup champion. And it's, imp- it's important to see yeah. um, Ray Lacrosse and our players. Well, and, I, and again, I, I, we've said it before. Off, uh, off the record button several times. Uh, just the uh, the players. If you ask them, what would they rather be playing for, a man cup or a national lacrosse league title? Uh, the answer is pretty, uh, pretty unanimous. I would say, and it's a man cup. From the players that I talk to, I, I get that <laughs> on a pretty, pretty consistent basis. Um, we uh, we're an amateur sport. Um, played by amateurs that are also professionals in the winter league. Yeah. And, uh, they, uh, they want to have a man cup on their resume at the end of their career. Exactly. So now that the decision was made, and, and of course most people don't know what it's like to go through, uh, a process of just canceling a season where it, where in this case, a national championship as well. Uh, and in the case of MSL, we're, we're talking about arguably the best, lacrosse league in the world uh, just could you maybe go through just some uh, that maybe the timeline uh, what this process was uh, and i know you talked about uh you were following it on the news and, and and seeing it quickly approaching canada but could you go through maybe the timeline of this whole process because and again like uh, unprecedented times well i think um i think i'd start off by saying that um because it's something we've never been through before, there's no protocol for yeah. in um, in our governing bodies for uh, a pandemic. So there's no blueprint, um, and we have to kind of learn as we go. But um, I 
think the very first um, thing that happened is when the governing body shut down, in particular in Ontario, yeah. uh, they shut down the uh, minor field season, yeah. which normally kicks off our lacrosse season. And then uh, it wasn't long after that that um, some of our leagues, uh, I think probably started with the Junior C League, uh, canceling their season. Um, and that was really early. Yeah. Um, but because they have to, have to wait for tryouts through the Junior A and Junior B process, it made sense that yeah. um, it could be a long time before they were going to get um, the teams together. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the... Um, the next step would have been the inability for junior to major clubs who rely on community sponsorship yeah. uh, to hit the floor. Um, well, this pandemic has created um, thousands of lost jobs and uh, lost businesses. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So those community, the community support for the press, the cross programs, um, kind of took a a backseat to mm-hmm. uh, everything else is, uh, to try and go forward. Um, we were probably prepared um, in both leagues to make an announcement earlier, yeah. but we didn't want to give up. Um, exactly, exactly. And uh, I think we did our due diligence and we shared and communicated our, all the information that was out there. Um, as well as we could, again, with no prior blueprint on how to do it. Um, and uh, then the decision was made, and you know, once the press release went out, um, there's no going back now. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. The only, the only thing we could do is uh, use the downtime as an opportunity um, to continue to grow the game and prepare for getting our teams and our players back on the floor and our fans back for the 2021 season. Well, and that's a, you do a good segue there. Uh, that's exactly where I was going with this. <laughs> but a, you're reading my radio, mind. Radio turn, segue. Exactly. You're reading my mind. Uh, just, uh, just about like now that things are canceled and, uh, basically, your plans for the summer, to, you're, you're going to have the nicest lawn on the block, I hear. That's the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was pretty proud of it before. I was really upset this morning. I looked up and I saw a dandelion on the lawn. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> so how is, how is the MSL going to keep itself in the public's eye? And we, we had a, a Zoom meeting on Saturday about some things, but just to, to maybe talk to the public about uh, what, what the league has in store or plans to do just to kind of, and of course it is lacrosse season, so you might as well whet the appetite a little bit. And like you said, to kind of get that profile out there and uh, just to remind people that we're, uh, we're still in existence. Yeah, that's a, uh, thanks for asking that question. It's uh, that's a great question. It's, it's pretty important. Um, mm-hmm. It's important to our, uh, our league and our teams um, our, and our executive committee who have been talking about this on, our, on a regular basis. And um, we are about to load a plan um, to keep major series lacrosse relevant mm-hmm. um, during the downtime. I mean, obviously, we've never been through a, a <laughs> 12-month window where we've had no uh, scenery lacrosse. So we're going to use our... Uh, 
our our in the can uh, webcast um, and broadcast um, to make sure that we have games in the public eye on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Uh, still in its infancy right now, but I would expect it will uh, will roll that out probably within the next week to ten days. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult as this is or as as disappointing as it is it's only you you can look at it almost in a glass half full notion where you you like you said you've got 12 whole months to really to really mold something special well i think it's important um, for us going forward that we don't just drop our shoulders and walk away and say oh this is a terrible thing yeah um there's uh a good opportunity for us to uh, do some things um, with our game um, and learn from the lessons, uh, not just in the pandemic, but um, some problems we've had. Um, Not that there are many in major series lacrosse, um, but let's go forward. Yeah. Let's stay, stay positive and say, okay, what can we do to save the game as we know it? Well, exactly. And uh, of course you were the intern, you were named interim commissioner and, in 2016, and uh, you were named full-time uh, commissioner the year after. Uh, just in those f- few short years, uh, ha- how has life been as the commissioner? Like, uh, where was the league when you took this thing on? Well, I, uh, I'm actually quite happy doing the job now. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I, as you know, I, I, I said right from day one, I was reluctant to take the job <laughs> on um, because of their... Uh, the history of the league. Yeah. And the history of the league was, you know, nobody could agree on anything. They wanted to do things because the old standard line, we're doing it this way because that's the way we've always done it. Yeah. And my attitude is, look where it got you so far. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a slow process, but we, uh, I think our, our governors um, and our teams, our league, are working together better now um, in the, those three short years, yeah. um, that we're asking, what can we do? You know, uh, John F. Kennedy line, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Exactly. And they're asking, okay, what can we do for this league to make it better? Uh, what do you and see in the that, league? That attitude shift. What do you see in the league right now that, that, that is different? Uh, like what, what kind of attitude really stands out for you? That's different. Well, I think first of all, I think we all understand how important the parity is, mm-hmm. um, and it's showing up on the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always had the have and have not teams. They change um, every once in a while, but that's a long cycle. And by yeah. a long cycle, I mean, you know, eight, nine, ten years. Yeah. Um, and based on our regular season records. In our playoff series, the last two years, um, nobody can go complain that there's no parity in our league. No, hundred percent. night, any team can win. No, absolutely, hundred percent. And and last two postseasons have really been an indicative of that. Yeah, I've been really pleased with that. Um, we had uh, two years ago, we had a six-game semifinal and a seven-game semifinal, mm-hmm. and uh, and two six-game last year. Um, and you know the final could have went either way. I was um, I was really pleased with the quality and how close those games were last year. 
Exactly. Where do you see the, or what strengths do you see in major series lacrosse? Well, I think that um, I will give the NLL um, a lot of credit for making us understand that we have star players in our league. We have the best players in the world playing MSL. Um, The breakdown is actually, uh, we have 61% of the players um, in the NLL play in our league. And there's another 21% play in the WLA. So you're talking 82% of the players in the NLL play summer lacrosse in our leagues. Yeah. The NLL has done a great job of marketing their stars. Absolutely. And we're, we're, lear- we're learning from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of our next step is, is to have all of our players recognizable, not only in their community, but in their province, in their league, and in the country. Exactly. And is there a, and you were talking about the NLL, is it, how has that relationship been? Because in previous years, it's been pretty strained, but over the last couple of years, it really seems to be, there's, well, and you've talked about uh, Olive Branches being reached out now, and it's got to be nice. Uh, How is that relationship now with the NLL? I think it's better. Uh, I think we still have some work to do. Um, but most of that work is involving um, the game itself. And I don't think we spend enough time talking about the game. Yeah. And it's not just the NLL. You and I have talked about this offline. Yeah. But um, we have four governing bodies in lacrosse with uh, the same exactly. players and the same officials. Yeah. And until we, we're never going to all agree on the same rules and, um, and other avenues in the game but we we need to get them as close as we can to grow the game so the fan understands what game he's watching because if you watch different leagues play with different rules the game's different exactly the unfortunate part is our players are the same players playing with four different sets of rules (laughs) so it gets a little confusing especially when when leagues overlap and they, you've got, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a unique situation because um, the four groups that I'm speaking about are all governed by different people. Yeah. And there's, there's not a hierarchy um, as there is in any other uh, avenue in life. Yeah. There's, there's nobody in charge and, um, they're all in charge individually, but not collectively. And I, I think we, we have some opportunities there to fix that. Well, I was just going to ask, uh, speaking of segues, do you see that in the future where the four, the four governing bodies getting together and having a meeting and just saying, Hey, let's, let's, let's try and smooth some of these, uh, different rules out and make it one fluid thing just for the betterment of the sport. Um, I'm optimistic that it'll happen. Yeah. Um, I'm not optimistic that it'll happen real fast yeah. or fast enough. Um, I think the um, because the players are the same, um, the staffs of some team or the teams are the same, yeah. um, and the premier players are the same. Um, I think that the communication is available. It's just um, having the independent leadership groups step up the plate and say, we need to do something. Yeah. 
and I think those conversations are going on now um, where they weren't going on at all before. Well, it's almost uh, like you in the West, right? And uh, that's that's yeah, one, think, uh, one think, bridge uh, that's smoothed things over. Yeah, I think um, I think we're all we, we can all learn something from the relationship that we built with the WLA and MSL. Yeah, um, and that goes on to our our governing bodies and the NLL um, and World Lacrosse. I mean, you remember um, September last year was. Uh, was pretty tough on some players and officials well, yeah. um, and coaches and managers when you're, you know, 14 days into the man cup and then 14 days into the uh, world <laughs> championship. And um, there's not too many people making a living off of the rough. <laughs> exactly. <really> well. <laughs> exactly. So what, what are some of the, just some of the weaknesses? We, we talked about the strengths of the league and uh, with the, the players and, and whatnot, but what are, what are some of the things that you would like to improve on? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, working with their officials. Yeah. Um, they're uh, they have a pretty tough go to. They're they're traveling like the players are uh, during the winter, and I'm talking about the best officials to do MSL or senior a, senior a lacrosse in Canada. Yeah, um, they they need a little downtime too. Um, and the pool is getting a little smaller. Um, so we need to, um, for lack of a better word, uh, cultivate, um, new younger referees. Um, so there's a progression for them and, um, it's tougher for them to do our summer games, um, as it stands right now, because there's only two officials on the floor. We need to get to three. Um, but that comes with a financial penalty now. Um, worse now because of the pandemic. We don't know where we're going to be financially long-term. Oh, exactly. Uh, so I, I think the officials um, is uh, number one. And number two uh, could be could replace. Um, they could be interchangeable. The other one is perception of the game. Mm-hmm. The game's been around for a long time. And we have diehard, passionate fans, exactly. and we have new fans. Mm-hmm. We've always said that we don't market very well um, our game, other than people that already know the game. Yeah. So engaging new fans into our game will will require a perception change that only we can control. Yeah. It's not the violent, the vicious game that it was. And it's never going to return to that. Exactly. So we need to we need the dinosaurs to get out of the way, and let the the, uh, the new young people um, get this uh, out of the dark ages mm-hmm. and show the game for what it is. It's a beautiful game, as you and you and I love it. Oh, absolutely. And we 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 need to uh, to focus on the star athletes and the skilled uh, play. Mm-hmm. of the game instead of the um, profanity and uh, the hatred uh, that shows up in the game every once in a while. We, we just get a black mark. Yeah. I guess a prime example would be um, mainstream media avoids us like the plague. Yep. Uh, maybe I should change that to avoids us like the pandemic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um when we put out our press release, I was absolutely amazed at how 
many uh, media uh, sources picked it up. Yeah. And we have this history of the, you know, uh, and even even a recent history of everything that shows up in mainstream media is always negative stuff. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to get out there in mainstream media and get the positive stuff about how beautiful and how great this game is. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's how I got into it. And to be honest, that's uh, spending three four nights a week at the the ILA working for the Expositor in Brantford. That's and that was just fun. Like, how could you not like going? to the rink because it was beautiful across the watch. And then just some of the stories to, to tell, it was just a, it was a, it was a real joy to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that because, um, with all this downtime and, uh, social media so prevalent, it's uh, pretty interesting. Some of the stories that are, <laughs> that are getting put on, uh, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter right now about the days gone by. And there, there's some very interesting stories there that, uh, um, <laughs> wouldn't have been shared if it hadn't have been for the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, just to kind of go along with uh, what you had said, so how can you grow this thing? Uh, obviously the marketing is a big thing. Well, I think um, th- th- you and I discussed once before, you know, the days of print media uh, are over. Social media is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, that's what, it's what, you know, not just the younger generation, the older generation is, adapting to it and embracing it and using it quite a bit. Um, but I think that our lacrosse season is so condensed. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to get young people um, engaged with the stars of the, of, of the game. Yeah. Um, because the minor programs um, are busy running you know, practices two nights a week, games two nights a week, and traveling on weekends to tournaments. Um, and our players are got some downtime in the summer after traveling all winter. Um, and in our league, we're playing two or three. They're playing two or three nights a week, so not a lot of time to do that. Yeah. And I think it's important that we figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. To make the time, and I think that's that's one way. Um, that we can grow the game. It's not not that easy to do. Yeah. Um, you're, when you're asking people to give up their time. Uh, well, especially when it's for the love of the game, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think I think there's opportunities there, but we need uh, we need some roundtable discussions and uh, get feedback from all parties and say, okay, how can we make these star players uh, available? Um, to talk to the, to the younger people that are playing the game. I mean, the, the game is growing leaps and bounds in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, but they have a different marketing model than we do. A hundred percent, yeah. Anything that we can grab from them? Well, I think there is. Um, I think we we can learn a lot by paying attention to, uh, to how they're going about the growth. Um, there's, uh, there's definitely uh, club uh, support for lacrosse programs in the U.S. Yeah. Um, as opposed to communities, and uh, I think there's a fine balance there. I think I think they're both good um, in their own right. It's uh, it's a matter of finding that right balance. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for doing this, Doug. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. It was my pleasure, and uh, I always enjoy talking 
lacrosse with you and your passion for the game, and I want to thank you for all you do to help grow the game. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. It really is appreciated. Remember to go over to the Smart Sports Podcast Facebook page for more local sports news when it happens. I'll do my best to keep you up to date during these strange times. Also, make sure to like and share it so we can continue to make Smart Sports Podcast the place for all things local sports. Thanks again for listening. I am Daryl Smart, and I will talk to you later.